even in our own lives, whether we're wanting to cancel, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're you know, outward focused and wanting to cancel other people. But ultimately, we don't realize that in our own lives, as we're doing that, right? Like ultimately, we're, we're you know, we're all pursuing something as well. If this, if you can track with me here, but we're all pursuing something, and then we end up utilizing only our talent because there's no, there hasn't been any deposit of relational equity and realness and vulnerability with other people. Because we have up these walls, what ends up happening is their talent only runs, can only get them so far. Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Welcome back to the Ultimate Shift. Today we have Zach Mason. Let's go! <laughs> so I'm really excited about this. I mean, uh, you and I have, I, gosh, I don't know, what did I probably, I met you probably 2018 or 19. Yeah, I was going to say two, probably two and a half, three years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so you're one of those people that, that whenever I run into you, it's just smiles and hugs and, and you just bring a lot of cheer to the world. And so, so you're the founder of, Zach is the founder of, Picture this. Picture this. And I just have a brain freeze. Yeah, no, you're good. And so so can you talk a little bit about what brought you to Nashville? Let's start there. And then how this all transitioned into picture this and what you're doing now. From the very get-go? That's where you want to start? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. let's start when you were six years old. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. no, are you saying, okay, so you want me to talk about, and you can cut this out or whatever. I don't know if you do that or not. Sometimes. Um so you want me to start from how I got to Nashville? Yeah. Okay. Just like what brought you to Nashville? Why? Yeah. Why Nashville? Perfect. No. So uh, I I feel like this is pretty common knowledge at this point because I share my story with a lot of people, uh, and obviously, picture this is a part of the story, and we'll get to that. But ultimately, what brought me to Nashville was uh, I was actually previously married before I moved to Nashville for four years. And, uh, went through a divorce and it was kind of just a place of transition. It was, it was, a, a just kind of a new place, right? Like my, my divorce happened to be very public. I grew up as a person of faith in the church world and was even on staff, um, at the church I grew up in that my uncle helped start as a worship pastor. And so, uh, it was just, it, it was very public. And so my, my, uh, divorce was, and so I just needed a new place to kind of start over. And, and where was that? You grew up where? That was Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so you were married for four years. Yeah. And you, how? What age did you get married? Twenty-one. Do you think there's too much pressure on people getting married too young? I think that's changing, but like, do you think that used to be? For sure, I think regionally, right? Like, I'm from Oklahoma. It's de- it's definitely not. I wouldn't consider it the South. Uh, more Midwest, but it's definitely that, that same mindset and culture. Uh, I, my ex-wife and I actually traveled, uh, and photographed destination weddings. And so that was something, you know, something I got to see a lot of was, you know, we photographed, you know, more than 30 weddings a year. And, uh, and so we got to see a lot of the, you know, the young marriages, et cetera. And, you know, I would say that, you know, it, it is changing. Um, but, on the contrary, there was myself and probably six or seven other f- couples uh, around us that got married within a year uh, around, uh, you know, when I got married, when we got married and they're all now divorced as well. 
And so, yeah, I definitely think that there's, there can be pressure and I don't know that that pressure is necessarily a bad thing. I just don't know that people at, you know, sometimes people don't know how to, to channel that pressure. Or do you, do you think that, that, cause I've talked about this a lot. I was married at 28 for, for about eight months or total together. I think we were together about a year and a half or so, but we separated after eight months of being married. And I often think back to that time and I'm like, I, gosh, I don't even know when I think about the Ephraim then, like I can't, I don't recognize that person. And so yeah. it scares me to think like, you know, if you're 21 years old and then you're, you know, you change a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And so is that kind of how you, do you think that's the biggest cause of why there's so many divorces? That's so great. Yeah. I think, I think it, you're, you, you hit the, the nail on the head. And I think that it, it, you know, beyond that, you know, talking when, when you think about the, the kind of the root of all of those things, I think that that change comes from and that change and growth comes from embracing maybe some of the things that shaped your past, whether it was, you know, whether it's trauma or it's the way that you were raised, how your parents treated you, et cetera. There's a number of reasons uh, that can help, you know, obviously shape that and mindset and thinking. But ultimately that, you know, in agreeing with you, like I physically didn't look like the person that, you know, I physically don't look like the person that I was, you know, back in Tulsa. I always say, you know, say that again. Were you like the cowboy that was out riding horses? No, I actually just weighed a lot more and I didn't care about fitness. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, I, my, cl- my entire closet was J crew. <laughs> yeah. Now everybody guesses things that I'm from LA. I'm like, yeah, no, far from it. So when I moved here, I was like, I'm creating a completely different person. I'm going to be unapologetically me. And, you know, speaking of that, like, I, I feel like that's the thing is, is, you know, so many people, I feel like I was kind of checking it out before pop on here and talk about success and, you know, finding success and vulnerability is, is, you know, the, the key to success and all those different things. But kind of before we got started, I kind of had shared with you what I've been thinking about that process. And, and all those things are really great. And there is a ton of wisdom and a ton of knowledge that's shared from people's life experience and stories. But I think that's, you know, at the apex, what everybody wants to talk about and looks at, but nobody really ever gets to the point to where they want to, you know, uh, to talk about the obstacles that they have to face in order and to overcome in order to get to that point in order for me to, you know, have been in Nashville now for five years and end up launching a business and all that, you know, there's, there's so many different things that people see along the way because of, you know, even social media, the power of that, that people scroll through and are so attracted to, uh, you know, what people think and they assume, but, and, and success, all those things, none of those are, none of those are, are bad. All those are great. But I think that I I've really in my life just been doing, I've had, a, I feel like I've experienced a lot of growth over the last six months because I believe growth comes more from remembering than it does learning in the moment. And you're able to look back. And I think that that change that we've been talking about to bring it full circle is ultimately it comes from remembering the things that, you know, the things that you've the things that have happened in your life and that you're able to embrace that in order to move forward and actually face it for yourself, be vulnerable with yourself. You know, that starts with self first. You have to fight for, for yourself before you can fight for anybody else. And so I think that once you really start to embrace that change uh, and your truth, then that's where, that's where that can, you know, that can begin. So what do you mean by remembering? Do you mean that if, if let's say if you're in a dark place and you want to create some sort of success, whether that's financial or, or mental or whatever, there's many levels of success. Is it is it starting with maybe 
remembering where you're from? Is it just like, or what do you, can you dive into that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I will be the first to admit that along the way, like there, you know, there's uh, with many opportunity, you know, there's so much opportunity, um, you know, from like, for me, I kind of categorize my, my past in like 20 to 25 and then 25 to 30. And, you know, now that I've just turned 30, kind of like the next 10 years. Right. And so, um, remembering certain decisions that I made. And for me, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm, I'm a seven and a seven wing eight. And so just naturally my personality doesn't like going towards those negative feelings, but I found that I've, I realized the power of this through a lot of therapy, a lot of intense counseling that it's good and it's okay. And it's safe. And it's actually better for you to just to reflect and to remember the things that you've done that way you can utilize wisdom because it got you to a certain place and you may not want to go back to, if you don't want to go back to that place, then you have to remember in order to grow from that. So if that makes sense, you know, you're remembering back on those decisions. Okay. What went well and what didn't. So how am I going to remember backwards to the the decisions that I made so that I can, you know, not forget about it, but influence my future. So what do you think is, is the number one thing that keeps people from reaching a level of success or happiness? That's a really great question for me personally in this season of life. Um, probably over the past six to eight months, I've come to this understanding, um, and just really this, this realization more than anything that, uh, it would be sacrifice. And because I feel like so many people, including my, I mean, I can speak for myself, but I feel like if, if there's so many people other that, that have had the same thought, but, um, so often I would, I would feel like sacrifice would keep me on missing out from what's next. Right. And, and sacrifice is a good sacrifice or a bad sacrifice? It, it, uh, like good, like things that you know that need to go like sacrifice, for example, if you want, if you have a goal of wanting a car and you're, you know, you're wanting, you know, in saving for, you need a thousand dollars. So for the next 10 months, you save a hundred dollars a month. And then you realize, but you know, and you come to a cross point, a crossroads of like, you see something you want, but do you sacrifice that temper, that temporary okay. satisfaction to save the hundred dollars so that you can get there? So with that, if that makes sense, you guys yeah. can follow the illustration. And so people, but when in all reality, sacrifice is the very thing that leads you to it. And so when you embrace the idea of like, oh, there are actually things as we're constantly growing and evolving, there are things that have to be pruned if you are sacrificed along the way in order to get what you want. And that's what so many people see is, uh, you know, just to highlight on social media and think that that's, you know, that's made in a certain way. But in all reality, there, there are so many stories and so many obstacles that people have to, to overcome in order to, to even get there. So you bring up an interesting point. You mentioned social media once or twice now. So when, what is, in your opinion, the best way to, let's say for, for you, you built something, I built something, whatever people might look at what we have and think like, okay, well, they've got maybe some aspect of their life figured out. Those are usually people who don't know me, Mm -hmm. but like, cause I feel like I'm still starting every day, but I often find myself challenged with the thing of like, if I feel compelled to post something, is this going to look like a highlight reel or is this going to look like the struggle? But also, if you just post about the struggle, then people can't relate either. Or you, you, so what, is, what are your thoughts on, on how does someone, how should we, how can we be better in our posts, but also at the same time, maybe inspiring others to not just see you as something that, that 
you know, that you're just showing off or the highlight reel or whatever? How can we be more authentic in our posts? That's a great question. I, I'm, I mean, I don't know that I have some, I don't know if there's some magic formula or right answer, but this is, this is definitely just, a, you know, opinion. But I think that ultimately the more real that you can get, obviously, like that's what Instagram is. It's used for. I mean, I, I talk about people posting highlights. I'm not guilty of that as well, you know, because it's, you know, what you want people to see, right? You know, it's, it's easy. Sometimes it's a, it's, it's a, for me, it's sometimes I post, it's, I use my Instagram to go back to you as an archive. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yes. Yeah. I, I, for me at this point, you know, I, you know, I have it posted in, I don't know, five or six weeks, but it's, it, it's transitioning to be more of that for me to be able to go back and look at like, man, look at like, look at where I've been and look at the, you know, hopefully the highs and lows and be able to at least personally recognize the seasons of life that I went through. And I do try to be, um, you know, I think I, I do try my, try my best to be as, as honest. I probably have more posts about winning because that's, you know, what you feel like people want to hear, but even on this podcast, right. Like we're talking about like, I feel like I'm in a place in life where I'm able to really embrace and, and look at the, the, the obstacle, plural obstacles that I've, that I've had to overcome the last 10 years of my life. And I've, I've, it's taken that amount of time for me to be comfortable with, okay, now, you know, that's celebrate, you know, celebrating that type of thing just as much as, you know, so many people when you move to Nashville, right? They talk about what they do and who they know, but not who they are as a person, where they've been. They want to connect on the high things, not the, the things that, you know, really where more of us have in common. It's, it, it makes everybody human mm-hmm. and, and everybody has this alternate, you know, idea of what they think people want them to show up as. And so anyways, I don't know if that answers your question. No, but, I, I love that. So, can you walk us through a little bit of, of when, let's say someone wants to start out in the entrepreneurial road, and when you start a picture of this from, so you started it, and we had talked a little bit about this, eight months in, COVID hits, you have to transition, pivot, adjust, adapt, whatever. What were your biggest struggles and challenges mentally in, in that time frame, and how did you overcome those? Yeah, that's a, that's a sigh, because I'm like thinking back, like that was... That was rough. And I don't know, who, you know, if you're listening, I'm sure you can probably attest to those at the same time, uh, you know, a, a very similar feeling at a certain point, but I'll, I'll be completely honest. Um, I was very anxious, very fearful, uh, you know, because you work so hard to build something, you, you know, blood, sweat and tears and effort and relational equity, right. To help, you know, to that you've built something right. Your pride is in it. And, uh, I drank a lot during the pandemic and, uh, had a little too much tequila <laughs> and, uh, and it just, you know, it put me in a place to where I, you know, again, like we're talking about this morning, but like I further avoided, you know, I numbed, I, I just delayed the, the inevitable, right. And embracing the, uh, the obstacle that was in front of me because it felt like it was too, I was too, uh, to be quite honest, I was too afraid to face it because uh of things i've been been through in the past and so yeah fears are you could lose everything you work for you could lose the the relationships you built to that point to to help build this thing right and is that was that the biggest fear was just losing it all or was it not only that but i even think um you know building you know starting over like financially 
you know, personally for the business, like you just, you know, obviously people out there that are entrepreneurs know what it's like to, you know, have at least lived a season of not knowing what it's like when, not knowing what it's like when you're going to get paid next. And, uh, and you know, from the jump, the transition I made from being in hospitality professionally here in Nashville to doing my own thing full time, uh, that in itself was a big risk, but you know, and then all of a sudden when things are climbing very well, you know, we had the, the opportunity for, you know, some very influential people, uh, within the city to be our first clients as a photo booth. It's what picture this started as was a photo booth rental company. And, uh, it climbed for the first eight months. And then, you know, all of a sudden when it goes from, from building, 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 making more money, things are getting solidified. There's more consistency to absolutely nothing. It was a hard transition. I think that as I'm even saying this right now, it felt very similar to what I felt when I lost everything. The, the fear of like the constant fear I lived in, it reminded me of the constant fear I lived in when I knew, because ultimately, obviously there's more to my story, but I was, uh, I was unfaithful in my marriage. I cheated on, I cheated on my ex-wife and in the process, like I, after that happened in my mind with like, you know, nobody was inside my mind, but every day I woke up knowing, uh, that the inevitable was going to happen, that divorce was going to come. And it reminded me of that same fear of the things that I was going to lose. And I'm actually having that realization right now, um, as we're, we're having this conversation, but that fear was very similar. So I, I turned to alcohol to like numb and suppress that, those feelings. And it was very dangerous, you know, for me at that time was just very, really dark mentally. And that's the thing is, is so many people, you know, are, I think if I could have changed anything, right, I would do anything differently is to get better at talking about that in the moment, that struggle in the moment, because I look back now and like, that was a massive obstacle that I had to overcome. And, you know, I look at the last, you know, 20 to 25 and 25 to 30, I look at the last 10 years of my life and kind of where I'm at now. And I would say that, you know, it was, it was overall, like I took, you know, wins and losses, but overall I would call it like an ugly, ugly dub, right? (laughs) You know, it wasn't pretty, but I I feel like I'm at a place to uh, place in my life now because I was able to, I've been able to learn how to embrace all those negative things, the pressure of all those things to, uh, in order to move forward and change, et cetera. Do you feel that when, when you're talking about vulnerability and, and facing those fears and pressures, that we don't rely enough on our, and I'm going to use an inner circle as part of this, because I think each one of us has an inner circle of people that we really yeah. trust. But do you feel like as humans, we maybe should open up more to our inner circle about those things, and we we have more connection, more compatibility within that? And, and if so, then why is it that so many people struggle with that? That's huge. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think having people, having a community to do life with is uh, it's so valuable. It's so valuable because when you have a kind of relationship to where, um, like, really just kind of choose to 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 be in relationship, like, um, you know, I, I would call it, you know, all in for all time, a covenant type of a relationship. And, uh, like a, you know, like a marriage, like, you know, till death do us part. And I think a lot of people can say that, um, and, and are working towards the understanding of what that actually means, but really kind of having that mindset of when you're choosing who is in your community and who isn't like, who's going to be with you, like legitimately, no matter what there are, there are probably three friends from my hometown that after what I went through that to this day are still friends. We're still friends, lost a ton of friends through that whole process, obviously, as you can imagine, 
But in, in that realm, like people that are literally there through thick and thin, through everything that you go through. And I think that that's important to process. You know, I, I recently was talking to a handful of friends and, um, and we were talking about, uh, you know, just mental health and their own personal anxiety and their struggle, their real struggle with suicide. And, uh, and you, you just think like, that's the biggest battle that we fight is in our mind, right? To over, you know, that's the biggest obstacle is our own mind, right? To overcome that. And so that's why though it's so, so important to have community to help people around us shift our perspective and see things maybe the way that we don't, because if, if not, then, then I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a very lonely place. I think that, I don't know if you've, you know, if you've ever really experienced loneliness, I'm sure you have at some point, but it's just a very, very lonely place. And, uh, and so, yeah, I feel like having, having those kind of people in your life to really be able to just to process without any judgment, without anything is, 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 is very important. So what's your advice to someone that, that might be struggling with aloneness, with the depression, and and they they're just caught up in in that world to where maybe they're not plugging and maybe they're not trusting someone else letting them in. What you know, if someone came to you and says, "Zach, this is what I'm experiencing," or whether it was through online, maybe you didn't even know them. What would your advice be to that person? I, I think that that real strength lies in the control or the domestic domestication of one's emotions, not pretending they don't, but, but not pretending they don't exist. Does that make sense? And so it's important to, to, to validate because it's to help somebody be like, you know, to, um, when they're feeling that and they're expressing their experiences is to help them feel like it's okay. Because I feel like for me personally, at least sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm crazy like that or that I'm like, like, am I the only one that's dealing with this? It immediately gives you that validation of like, man, like you're like, you're not the only one because of the the natural path and flow of life. Like we're all around people that have been through certain things. So at some point, at a certain degrees, we can relate, if not just provide comfort. And yeah, I mean, so I would, I would, you know, I would say that I don't know, I forgot what the question was exactly. Um, you would advise people that they're in that rut. Is, is to... Like, where do you, where do you start to plug in? Where do you, do you think that the church is a place for that? Sometimes people tend to avoid that. Do you feel like it's, it's more of a one-on-one relationship, maybe? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously my faith is still something that's very much a, a central part of my life today. And, um, I go to a church here in Nashville called Zeal. And, uh, and for me personally, like that's, you know, I always tell people when I very first meet them, because right, like you never know who you're going to meet, what background they have. Like you don't have to believe what I do, right. To belong to the principle the idea in life that you are like, you have a purpose. And so for me, I'm most passionate about helping people discover that purpose and find freedom for whatever that looks like through them in their life, through sharing their story, because I've realized that that's how I unlocked it. That's how I kind of started to unlock things in my life personally. And so, you know, and so when you, when you begin to share your story, begin to find those commonalities of life of like that you've been through with people, it, it, it brings out and, and um, almost warrants that same level that it reciprocates that same level of vulnerability with people. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, as a person of faith, I, I say, yeah, absolutely. The church is the number one place and to find community. You know, I, I think that, you know, too often people mistake the church for a building when ultimately it's the people. And obviously, 
with cancel culture way that it is, right? Like even church people, myself included, have been through that process of being canceled and wondering, you know, because of failures and all this different thing. But almost again, everybody wants to highlight what's up here, what's successful, et cetera. But like, let's, let's actually unite on and, and embrace like the, the, the crap that we've been through in life, you know, the, the, and, and build community off of that. And, um, you know, ultimately uh, find healing in, as I would say, through, through God to move forward and to grow so that you can, so, because I think, you know, for me, it's not about necessarily only seeking forgiveness, right? Like when it comes to relation of church and God or religion, all those things, but it's also about finding true freedom, right? You know, so there, that, that's, it's like you, you, you seek forgiveness to have freedom. And so many people don't understand the freedom that I feel like that they, that they can actually live in. And that is through embracing your story, embracing your testimony, if you will, and, you know, embracing those things the like the real things and putting those on display. Makes sense. So in a, in a cancel culture society, what's your opinion on, on growing or how can we be vulnerable when there, when there's that living over your head? You know what I mean? Like if, if, yep. if you're trying to build something, that's your filter of like, am I going to get canceled? Yes, exactly. Like, like, how do how do we where where does this go from here? I, I think about this a lot. I'm curious on your mm. input on this. Is like, where if we allow this to, to continue, where where do we end up? Well, I'll say from the outset before I get to answering, you know, how how do I think that you know have an opinion on how I think we'll end up if, if that continues? But I'll say from the outset, man, like I just don't know that we can ever come to a place to where another human is is so disposable. Right. That one second they're here and one second they're not like, that's just, I don't like that doesn't, that doesn't like resonate with me that people can be so disposable. And, and so I think that, you know, just kind of watching everything that's happened um, in all different fields, right. All different industries of, of business and, and relation, whether it's politics or race or gender, those different, you know, all the, ever there's, there's so many, I think that the important thing is like, there's just, so many different opinions that are out there. And I think that, you know, uh, you know, so many of us are, 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 are quick to read a headline or quick to quick to read this and form an opinion based off of that. But ultimately like, what's your filter? Right. And so for me, I would say that, you know, my filter personally would be the Bible. Um, and uh, you know, to me that's truth and promise. And what I've realized is that, you know, um, when, when it does, when that doesn't system doesn't work, it's because my own uh, human opinion has divided that. And that's where it becomes void because it's no longer the filter of the one, what I, I believe personally to be true. Um, it, but it divides that and it's my own opinion and my own, you know, it leaves it room for my own interpretation, et cetera. And so, um, you know, finding a filter, right. I would say that's the first step to, to alleviate that. Like hopefully we don't, you know, I, you know, I obviously have any thoughts of, you know, of where we would end up if it doesn't stop. But man, like if you're able to just find a filter, it doesn't have to be mine, right? I'm not saying that I'm not pressing that on anybody, but find a filter of truth, right? Like what is, yeah, find, find your, find your source, find your truth. And, uh, you know, I, I, and I would say that, you know, it's long and talking about community of people that it's, it's, it's probably not long that you'll, you'll hear about, you know, 
a lot of other people's truth whenever they find their own, their community and they start running together. And then that's attractive to people. And I would say that is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been so cool to see the community in a circle that I get to do life with grow so significantly. And it's because our, all of our commonality, kind of our, the way that we allow people access, right. <laughs> you know, um, I think from the outside, some people think certain things are exclusive, but ultimately it's, it's very inclusive, right. And, and it can be exclusive too. There's nothing wrong with that, but it has to be as inclusive as it is exclusive. But the way that you allow people access is their level of vulnerability. And just to say like, that's how we're choosing to do life. That's how we're shifting the culture in a city of where you move to. And everybody cares about what you do and who, you know, not about who you are as a person, because, the ultimately, like what ends up happening is, you know, in the humanity of, uh, of cancel culture, we ultimately find a, find a place to where at some point, even in our own lives, whether we're wanting to cancel, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're, you know, outward focused on wanting to cancel other people, but ultimately we don't realize that in our own lives, as we're doing that, right? Like ultimately we're, we're, you know, we're all pursuing something as well. If this, if you can track with me here, but we're all pursuing something and, then we end up utilizing only our talent because there's no, there hasn't been any deposit of relational equity and realness and vulnerability with other people because we have these walls. What ends up happening is their talent only runs, only can only get them so far. Right. And then ultimately they end up writing character or writing checks, their character can't catch. And so, and so when, when I think it comes the realization of understanding, we all have those seasons of life. And so that's why it has to be a cycle. That's why it has to be a flow. And you have to have your people. You have to have a source of truth. And and so ultimately, you know, I, I've just kind of been in a season of like, I just want to be less opinionated. And I want to really challenge everything, the truth of what I've, you know, through my filter, right? Like, what's my truth? And, and, and owning that because at the end of the day, um, you know, we can, we can only control our choices if you're, you know, I would say be as bold, bold enough to say that if you're listening to this, that if, if, you know, if you think and believe that, th- that you have the ability to control anything outside yourself, that's just an illusion. The only thing that you have control of are your choices. And so I just think that the principle of choice and really thinking through that and having a filter of the things that you say, the things that you support, the, the, you know, the, the beliefs that you have, all those principles of life, right? Those pillars, you know, should, should have a source of truth and, and, um, you know, to, and a filter to run through. I love it. What's your take on, on when, let's say you have a truth and, and then you're 10 years older and you might have a different truth. Mm-hmm. It, how do you, do you still have one grounding principle of, of a truth maybe that, that you would never lose? Or like, for instance, like let's say if you had to go back to your 21 year old self, think about everything right. you thought then and now what you think now, mm-hmm. what would you tell that person? Be patient. Be patient. You know, we talked about, we talked about pressure a little bit earlier, you know, these pressures of life, these pressure and pain points and, and, you know, being, being patient with the pressure and not being as quick to react, but more so respond because ultimately not all pressure is bad, right? I was, I was working out the other day and I saw this gas line up in the ceiling and it had a number listed and it was a certain amount of PSI. And I just kind of laughed because I was like, Oh, that that's intended to go somewhere. That pressure is it's util it's being utilized for something to, fun, you know, to help something function. Yeah. Right. 
And so ultimately I feel like so many, so many of us aren't patient enough and aren't willing to embrace and sit in kind of that uncomfortableness, right? That, uh, of, of the situation and they feel that pressure. We want to run away from it as quickly as possible. Um, but rather than utilizing, you know, that whole principle of sacrifice, right? Like, you know, believing that sacrifice, if I sacrifice now, then it's, you know, I'm going to miss out on what's next. I need to be able to, you know, rather than realizing that it's the very thing that leads you to it. And so understanding that patience is a weapon to be utilized, right. To, you know, to be, to just to be patient and sit in that and feel it out and embrace it rather than just reject it. Because those things in life try to tell us things to help us go a certain direction and not all pressure is bad. And so what was your initial question? Well, I, I was kind of, I guess my question is... Oh, what would you tell your 21 years? Your, your, your core values when, when, as you grow and change. Like, and you, you're like, I always say, everyone's story matters. Let's think about the most hated politician that you can think of that, that you personally may not like. And I always tend to think of that person. You know what? That person has a story. They have the reason. Right. They believe the things they believe and do the things they do, whether you agree or not agree with them is based off of the story in their life. And so, but also sometimes you see people, story changes so much so that they also lose the grounding principle. So how do you find that you can stay true to your core principles, whether it's church or God, as your life is this chaotic, mm-hmm. out of control mess that we all deal yeah. with, right? Yeah. Uh, but is it just that simple? It's just coming back to that one thing for you, this might be God or church. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, you know, having a source of, of truth and, and, and belief is, is, is there anything within you that you can always come back to? Let's say if someone doesn't believe in God or they don't, they don't Oh yeah. Them, is there a part that you keep telling yourself like Zach, like, you know what, this is the one thing that you'll always have. And what would that be? I mean, I feel, I mean, the answer that comes to the top of my mind is just, is, is my faith, you know, my, you know, faith is, you know, part of, part of a big part of faith is believing in what's unseen. Right. And so like the things that you don't see. So that has been the consistent theme as I've been, like I told you, you doing a lot of time and spending a lot of time over the last six to eight months, just remembering, right. And then seeing where those ties and those moments in my life where, where, and it's all connected, you know, and seeing how, you know, my life, the story being written and being able to fully see where, you know, I made right choices, where I made wrong choices and how it's got me to this very place today. And, and so, um, and each time, right, like I look at where for me, I would say God has been. And, and so that like, to me, there's just been consistency in that throughout my life. And so I'm able to, to, to lean and rely on that as, as in really ultimately as it's formed my foundation. Do you believe in within that and that you get to write? Here's something I'm struggling with. I'm just curious on your, on, sure. on your opinion on this. Do you believe that one gets to, to write their journey, to write their identity, if you will, or that there's some out of control aspect that God, you know, they said the Bible says, or I've heard people say, well, God knows what's going to happen with your life from start to the finish. Right. Or do you believe that somewhere within that, there, there's this idea that you get to maybe change that course based off your own decisions, wants, dreams? So I would say that, you know, 
everything, I mean, we've kind of touched on it already. Everything in life is is based off the principle of choice and the choices that you make. And, you know, in, in the reality of, you know, everybody, I believe everybody has a purpose. Everybody has an assignment, if you will. And I believe that within assignment of certain things and seasons in life, assignments change, right? Um, as, as you grow, as you develop, as you become more mature, you maybe, you know, for me, I lost an assignment, you know, to just be completely honest, like, and I, you know, I view it as that at least like assignments come and go, they change right throughout life. And within those assignments, there are, there lies opportunity. And I think that many of us can come, uh, can, can go to, to, you know, even probably yesterday when we came to, had to make a decision where we had, you know, had to kind of go one way or the other. And so those choices, and I think that is, you know, I think that's one of the most beautiful things I believe as a, as a, a person of faith and, you know, believe in having a relationship with God is that that's the one thing that he gave us from the very beginning was the principle of choice, right? Like if you're, if you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, you know, Adam and Eve from the beginning of time, he gave them the choice to eat from, you know, a, you know, a, you can eat from all the other trees except this one. And, and God has given us that ability to, to make choices and put those things in front of us. And, and that's where, you know, I believe that's where faith grows is because as you make the right choices, that, that relationship grows closer over time. And so, you know, you real and so as you, you know, feel comfortable with somebody in relationship and friendship, as the closer you get, the more vulnerable you, you are and more open you are. And I think that that has, you know, we have the ability to do the same thing. You know, I have the ability to do the same thing in my relationship with God, in my faith throughout, you know, basically the entirety of my life. I love that. Here's here's something that you may not know about me, but I struggle with church. So, like, I believe in a God. I believe there's a greater being than myself. Yeah. Um, I, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my you know, sins, if you will. Here, so what do you think, and maybe Zeal has this figured out. I mean, I've been to Zeal, but uh, I have found that, and I don't blame the church or God as itself. I have found that the most times in my life that there was a significant letdown, whether it was in business partnerships or whatever, these people um, were very much Christian, or they would really promote that part of their, their life. So it, it took me from, from I used to go to church, so I was like, okay, you know, I did a partnership with this guy who was like just a professed Christian of the best of the best, who, who then you know, utilized everything that we had in the partnership for his own good or whatever, and, and I ended up losing everything through that, which is fine. It was one of the best things that ever happened to me, looking back. But in within that, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to distance myself from this crap, not from God, but from this crap. So, which all of this leads to the question is, how, you're you're very heavily involved in you. I mean, I'm following you, I watch your stories, yeah. you're always there, you're promoting it. Yeah. How can the church be, I guess, more authentic, maybe, and, and I don't even know if that's, a, if that's a real thing, but how do you overcome that? How do you win back that crowd that maybe has been burned by by the so-called Christians or whatever? And I'm not, again, not pointing this as a whole white God or, or a church. I realize it's individuals, but how does the church get better into maybe promoting this idea of, like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Do you understand where I'm going with this? Yeah. How does the church win back those people that have been 
or how would you go about that? Maybe maybe this is a more me to you question. So if I come to you from that perspective, what's your answer to that and saying, uh, you know, this is why you should, this is where the church has value. Like, why should you be here? Why should I be there? Maybe. So to, to really narrow that down in the question, if somebody says, I have, I just, you know, I believe in God, I just don't think I need to be in church. How do you respond to that? We've kind of talked about, you know, the power of community and the power, you know, the, the, the impact that having people around you, uh, you know, the value of that. And in that, I would say, you know, in, in most cases, right, like we talk about, you know, uh, a level of vulnerability and, and ultimately like that's where, that's, that's where I, I guess more so it's I, I, to answer your question is for us to, for, for ultimately for me to, to lead with that. And, and since I moved to Nashville, that's what I've chosen to lead with is just a very deep level of vulnerability, um, to, to really show them like, Hey, like, I, like, you know, <laughs> I don't have any like alternative motive here. Like I'm not trying to get to know you for what you do or who you know, or who's, you know, who, what, you know, what artists you're friends with or how many followers you have or what label you work for, <laughs> you know, any of that. It's, I genuinely care about you as a person because for me, I, it wasn't until somebody sat me down and, 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 and said that to me and, um, like actually to, to say, you know, like, I, I, I don't care about what you do or who you know. I care about who you are as a person. And for me, uh, there were, there were, you know, there's been a handful of people that have done that. And, um, but the reason why for me that I went to zeal was because that's what, um, uh, uh pastor JD did, uh, pastor JD. Oh, he's, he's the lead pastor at zeal, but that's what he did for me. He sat me down and he, and, you know, for me coming from church or coming from, you know, if, especially whether or not you're raised in the church world, like I'm sure you can put two together that, you know, uh, you know, being unfaithful to your wife and, and being on staff at a church isn't, doesn't really go well together. <laughs> and it was awful. Right. And so, I, you know, I, I tell people my story and and I'm, I'm very open about it. And I just I, I mean, like, hey, listen, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I grew up in the church world, too. Right. And, and this is kind of like my story. And. And, you know, there's, there's so many different, and, and, and so many different details that I'm able to share throughout the story that somebody can relate with along the way. And yeah, is, is just to lead, like to answer your question is just to lead with that level of vulnerability. Cause for me, what I'm after is relational equity, right? Like if, if I, if I, if my goal, um, or if, if my wish for somebody else or my aspiration for somebody else was to see them overcome something that they're going through in their life. It would obviously be uh, through how I changed mine, right? Like that, you know, and then obviously the church being a part of that, God being part of that, faith being part of that. And just say, hey, like this is this, like this is my story. And, and this is like, this is the journey that I've been on, right? And almost leading with that, right? Because, um, you know, I, you know, having been at the height in the apex of, you know, um, you know, one of the fastest growing churches in America and being on, on stage in front of so many people every week, like it was, like I said, at the very beginning, it was very public. And, and, uh, you know, for me, I, I, like there were so many different, you know, who, again, people that you thought were church people or such and such Christian that are like, wait, what? Like all like, like <laughs> this is. And so then ultimately it brought me to a, a very deep level of belief of like, why in the hell do I believe what I believe? 
Yeah. Why do I believe that? And so I began as I'm, when I transitioned to Nashville, I, I started testing things out, right? I, I the certain truths and promises that, that I had read about in the Bible that I was taught about that I never believed for myself, that ultimately I really never believed for myself. And so for me, I kind of like put, I was like, I'm going to put God to the test here, right? And see how this works. And, and, you know, there would be things that I would say from stage I was, as I would be leading worship, um, like, you know, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I really want to understand, I, I, I didn't really know what that meant. And, and so when I got to the Nashville, I realized like, oh, he's already done his part. I just have to do mine. And so I'm just going to start sharing my, like my whole story with people, um, like no detail left out and, and kind of, and, and kind of see where that goes. And ultimately over the past five years, I feel like that's, that's what's happened is, uh, you know, for me, uh, for the sake of the podcast, you guys may be wondering, what is the story? I mean, I'll share it to you very quickly. There's a lot more that goes into it, but ultimately, um, you know, when I tell people, oh, like, you know, this is what happened, et cetera. Um, you know, as a result of, you know, five years of sexual abuse, sexual abuse from eight to 13 from somebody close to my family. And then my parents going through the divorce, 13 to 16, what my counselor has called my, uh, uh, developmental years, right? So, you know, preteen to, to post teenager, right? And then almost to, you know, to adult. Uh, I basically tried to forget about because they were extremely traumatic. And, um, you know, throughout, uh, you know, so all that being said, um, the abuse was by an older man. And so as a result, uh, to make a long story short, whenever I was unfaithful in, uh, in my marriage, it was a same sex interaction. And for me, my sexuality is something that I've never struggled with or questioned. It was more, I was just a- afraid of how to even talk about what had happened to me when I was younger. So and anything to avoid going back. There. Oh, 100%. And so as you can imagine, like, you know, I, I share this story very openly with, with almost everybody, right. That I meet and, you know, whether I'm at, uh, you know, down on, you know, a, you know, in Midtown or out and about at a restaurant, having a drink with a friend, with a new friend or in a social setting, I'm sure, I'm, I, you know, I share the story, you know, very openly. And as you can imagine, like when you're sitting across the table with somebody and you're sharing these details, they're like, holy crap, like this is, this is, that's a lot. Yeah. And ultimately I think that what's the beautiful part about it is, is there's so much, you know, until I was able to embrace the truth of what actually happened to me, you know, the, the trauma that had happened when I embraced that I had gotten counseling for, I had talked about it, et cetera. But you know, when you find, you know, you find freedom, right? Like you don't, I, I didn't, um, that was kind of the last thing that I was holding on to Cause I would always kind of share my life story with people, you know, before moving to Nashville, but I was so afraid of what everybody, obviously, you know, like, especially that happening, you know, eight, eight to 13 for five years, you know, for me, the, the, the fear was, well, man, I know what society calls the same sex interaction. That's either gay or bisexual. I'm neither of those. And so like, I don't know how to talk to people about, because if I do tell them, then they're going to ask questions on it. So it was much easier for me to hide that than, than actually talk about it. And, um, and I think that the biggest thing for me is just the consistency with that and seeing how God has moved right through each like and, and allowed me to have the pr- the privilege of proximity to very influential people and to because of that because I'm establishing relational equity I don't care about what they do or who they know you know I, I feel you know it's great to have people that sur- surrounded that that surround you that aren't really impressed with with what you do or who you know and they are intrinsically you know more focused on who you are as a person and and that's the thing is there are so many things that have and and 
to be honest, what's so crazy is I've probably, you know, I've shared this story with hundreds of people and I, I, I mean, every single time it again, mirrors that same and warrants that same level of vulnerability. Right. And, and it's a different person every time. Probably. Right. Yeah. And, and they're like, I've never told anybody this, but, and they begin to like vomit these deep, deep, dark secrets because you're creating a place of safety and trust. And, and that's the value, right? Like that's the value of, to me, I believe what the church really should look like open, honest, vulnerable, celebrating confession, right? Like so many times, you know, whenever you do something wrong, it's, you know, you know, you, you, you turn from the pressure of, of the thing that you've done wrong or you, what I would call sin. And, and so, and so I think that, you know, something where, where I think to answer your question, you know, to help people come back is, is everybody's been through something. We've all been hurt. And when people come to confess these things is that it should be that, you know, I think it's something that zeal has done really well, not only just for me personally, but to see happen through all my friends' lives is that, you know, whenever we're going through stuff and, you know, we have those small groups, we have those people around us. Confession is something that's celebrated, right? That we're like, yes, like this is, this is, this is what real community looks like. This is what true friendship, this is what, you know, uh, you know, a covenant relationship looks like, like regardless of what you've done, right? Like, like we're going to, we're still going to be there for you. And as I'm sure you can, you've been through like, there are, there are those, those people in your life that you felt like abandoned you and left. And it's like, well, they represent their, they say they're a Christian, they represent God. So why would I believe in that? And, and so I think that for me, my aggression and my passion for sharing my stories so openly and being willing to be vulnerable and open is because, is because I've seen how it's helped set not only friend like my, my family but my but very like close friends free from like the things that they've been through and they you know they're they're able to truly like that's how you overcome an obstacle right like yeah. you have you have to move through it you can't just go around it that's not that's not you know the obstacle is the path is the way that you're supposed to go and so, so i feel like so many of us try to numb and pretend that it's not there right like again i said earlier uh, i'm actually th- that that quote came from a book called The Obstacle is the Way. The guy's name is Ryan Holiday, the author. It's incredible. But the real control, the real strength is the control of one's emotions, but not pretending that they're not there. And so I think that, you know, there's this idea that in a, in a way, vulnerability is something that's attractive to people. But I don't know that people in, in our city, in this culture have really stepped into. Right. right. Like, I, I, like it's something that sounds great. But it's not something that people have fully really stepped into, like that gut level vulnerability. Like, I've never told anybody this, but here it is. And that actually being celebrated and not, and not judged. Because the, the cancel culture, to, to go back to earlier, is, is you, you see more and more division and more and more hate. And that's where we end up. And, 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 and that's the thing. Is so many people are afraid to share their truth because of what's, you know, because of, the, the, you know, the cancel culture is, you know, well, if they speak this out, then, you know, I, I'm afraid, whatever, like, and that's the thing is, is you just kind of get to a point where you're not afraid of that anymore. And it's like, yeah, like that's, everybody has a story, right? Like, so let's celebrate everybody's story and help them share theirs. And as they, they you know, the, it just, it's a ripple effect. Right. And so to me, I, I feel like, you know, that's something that, in a very practical way that the church, not only that is that opinion, but how, how I saw it modeled to me is that those things were celebrated. And then ultimately, once you're able to really let those things go, you're able to kind of be in a place of, of, um, kind of that weight that's off of you. And you're, you're in a new place to, to, 
to, to really grow and move on beyond the obstacle um, and really start to, to look into, you know, the future and what's next and actually really be able to go, you know, reach your full potential. That's the best answer I've ever gotten to that question. So, I mean, I love it. Every bit. Of, well, we're coming up on time, so I've got maybe two more questions. Let's go. So, this no. is obviously called the ultimate shift. So, what is there a time when you look back at your life that you had that ultimate shift of that change the trajectory of where you were going and what would it be? Yeah. So just obviously we were just talking about it, but it's, it's really, you know, this, when I moved to Nashville, um, you know, I kind of had this idea in my mind of like, man, if I could just kind of have, if I could just grow up here, honestly, and, and, and really just, and just be honest, you know, just to be the healthiest version of myself. Um, if I could, if, if I could, you know, whatever. And, And ultimately what that was is, is that, that was sharing my story. Um, and, and so just the, you know, the, 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 that, that's when the shift happened, right. Is because I was able to embrace my truth, move beyond what was basically for lack of better terms, you know, a a, a massive amount of fear that was paralyzing me from moving forward and ever, you know, so if I held on to that and so just really embracing the, 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 the tough, hard truths, and be able to, to process that and, and then, and then heal from that. But that's ultimately is, you know, I feel like what, when people really start to discover their purpose in life, what they're passionate about, um, and they, they're able to find like this newfound freedom of just like feeling, you know, uh, uh, you know, they're walking in the direction of being, just being whole is when they begin to really share their truth and share their story and be vulnerable. If you were given a world stage and you were told to essentially in a sentence or two, tell the world what you think the world needs to hear. What would you tell the world? That's a very weighty question. So if you were, let me rephrase it in a different way. If you wanted someone to say, to remember Zach by that, that said, well, you know what, this is what I learned from it. What would that be? I feel like I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm curious what you're going to come up with. Man, that, oh, I, that, I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I can say that I would, I, I would, the thing that I would want to be known for, the legacy that I, I, I would have left in, or in that the, the biggest thing to take away would be that, man, that God really does love you. Truly. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Really, truly. It's very simple. Um, and, you know, whether you've been, uh, you know, I, I meet so many people when I share my story with them, they've been, you know, uh, you know, raised as a person of faith and they moved to Nashville and, and have gone through some stuff and they've been disguising it or they've walked away from it completely or they don't believe the same thing I do at all. And that's OK. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, in, at the end of the day, it's, you know, that's that is my truth, what I live my life by. And so ultimately, I would want people to I would want to be remembered by the action that I was able to show to people that God that God loved them. I think you do that really well. I, I think for me, just, you know off script here, I guess if, if when when I when I watch your stories or when I you know, you're the reason I I don't know if you ever know, but you're the reason I ever went to Zeal in the first place. Hmm. Wow. It was because of, of, of the light that you shine when when you're there or whatever. And I think I think it just goes to say for who you are. I I just want to acknowledge you for being completely open and transparent here today and just um I mean man this is this is the conversation I love, this is why I wanted you on, because you've always been that guy that, that I felt like you could just 
talk to about anything. Mm. And so, and you know, you and I have never had that one-on-one across the table over a drink and talked about our deep vulnerabilities either. It's just, that's just who you come across as. So, mm. um, you know, honor, I, I, I think you're a solid grateful. rock in this town. Thank you so much, so, man. I appreciate that. I'm grateful. It's an honor to be on here. Well, all right. That's going to do it for today. So, oh, wait. How, how can uh, people <laughs> find you? How do people follow you, find you, connect with you? Well, uh, I mean, my personal Instagram is Zach T. Mason. And then our picture this Nash is our, uh, you know, photo booth. So if you know anybody doing events, obviously that's what we're in the business of doing. You know, we were, you know, as you know, this is kind of keep it short through the pandemic. We had to shift and, you know, a lot of our clients, the client work, the clientele work they were asking us to do began, began to be more like, you know, marketing, advertising agency type stuff. So, you know, now we're just kind of really in events, entertainment, marketing, you know, a little bit of advertising, um, but experiential events and things like that. We started obviously as a photo booth company, but, and we still do events and things like that. So if you know anybody that has an event going on or needs, you know, something cool planned uh, for their brand to engage influencers, things like that, give us a, give us a shout. And so picture this Nash.com. That's correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. And we'll put all that in the show. Awesome. Right, it's been great to have you. Yeah, absolutely, bro. Thank you so much. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy. And we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up. But there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.